1: Hello everybody and welcome to the very first broadcast podcast of Dennis and Julie. I'm the Dennis of the Dennis and Julie, Dennis Prager. Julie Hartman is the Julie of the Julie of the Julie of the Dennis. There's a big deal to me. I think it's a big deal to Julie and hopefully to you too. I just want you folks to know, been broadcasting for 40 years, I never co-hosted a show i've always broadcast on my own it gives you an idea of how much i respect and have affection for this young woman that i would have a podcast with somebody and we'll explain what we're going to do in a moment first i want you to know dennis and julie is brought to you by my pillow and your support of them what's the promo code julie is that correct
2: The promo code is actually Hartman, H-A-R-T-M-A-N, much to my dad's delight. I'll get a kick out of that. His last name is now a promo code.
1: When you have reached the status of a promo code, Julie, as you well know, you have really made it in life. I'm thinking of your parents now, and it's cracking me up. My father would have loved that. I totally get what you're saying. Maybe one day we'll do your mother's maiden name as a promo code. Then we've really...
2: She is is very proud of that maiden name. So we will have to do that for
1: her. (laughs) Exactly right. So, folks, let me tell you a little bit about uh, Julie Hartman, who is all of what, 22 or 21? 22. 22 years old. So, in a nutshell, because I could spend the entire podcast telling you about... how our relationship grew from nothing, truly nothing. I get a lot of mail, and there's no predicting what emails I will open. I'm talking about the emails at my public dennisprager.com address. And for whatever reason, I opened up her email, and in a nutshell, she described herself and having been deeply affected, specifically by one of my books, Think a second time, which I think is a very, very important book about America and about the Still left. the
2: best hope, Dennis.
1: What did I say? Not
2: think a second time. Oh, I, you're right. You said I'm, think a second time.
1: You're right. Thank you. That's Another correct. Paper. Well thank you. <laughs> Well, that was my way of hinting that I've written more than one book in a very unsubtle way. Actually, yes, still the best hope about America and and about the left. And that Essentially, that and then watching PragerU videos, listening to the show, etc., moved her over to the conservative side of looking at life. And mentioned that, in passing, she dropped the H bomb—the the well-known phrase for attending Harvard. And since she lived in Los Angeles, I invited her to visit the show. And then I invited her onto the show. And then I invited her to sit in for me when I was off the show. And she became the youngest person, I think, in history to actually host a national radio show when she did sit in for me. Each time she was extraordinary. She is extraordinary. I don't say it as a compliment. I say it as a fact. She is deep. She is thoughtful. And she is the rarest of things courageous. She wrote a piece very recently in the Wall Street Journal about the sheep-like behavior of her fellow of her fellow students at harvard it's not easy to get into a national publication like the wall street journal let alone to criticize your, your all of your fellow students or nearly all of them so that's uh that in a nutshell is julie hartman and we have uh we have formed a bond of our own which i treasure my wife treasures So, Julie, here we are. If somebody had said to you two years ago, you'll do a podcast with Dennis Prager, (laughs) how would you have reacted?
2: I would have freaked out. I mean, I pinch myself all of the time that I am sitting here doing a podcast with you. And two years ago, you were on my computer screen. I was watching your fireside chats. I actually remember the day you responded to my email. I freaked out. I went, oh my gosh. And I just thought you were going to write back a one sentence, oh, thank you so much. And then when you invited me onto the show, it was just, it was a dream come true. And I know that you have never had a guest host, or excuse me, a co-host before. So I am just tickled pink that I got to do this with you. So thank you so much.
1: Wow it really it it really is something and i i hope that uh, salem does a good job in publicizing it though things do grow organically people will tell their friends about it and so on so before uh, even more about uh, your critique of your students i have no idea how it hits you and i have spoken well, let me say how it hits me and then get your your own reactions it is very hard for me to get down i I have an upbeat personality and nature it's a gift from God or nature I, I can never know which so it takes a lot but the Russian invasion of Ukraine has uh, has depressed me somewhat, and so has the correct I'm not advocating America send troops in, I don't think it's viable or feasible, but I have to say, I feel like a a very strong man with a lot of weapons, standing by and watching a woman get raped in the middle of the street. That is how I feel as an American, knowing how strong we are and watching So I'm curious, and I'm not at all suggesting you should have a similar one. What is your take? What is your emotional reaction?
2: Oh, it's just devastating. I mean, seeing the photos on the news is just, it really puts everything in perspective. And I agree with you, Dennis. I mean, I think the economic sanctions are good, certainly something that we should be doing, but it doesn't quite strike me as enough for instance, I was just reading this report that there's a 40-mile-long convoy of Russian vehicles that's going straight into the capital. We have the power to stop that. We have the power to mow those things down. Why aren't we doing it? Another thing is, why aren't we stopping Russian planes from flying into Ukrainian airspace? Why don't we sort of partner with NATO and tell Russia, if you go in there, we are going to shoot those planes down. I understand that we've learned the lesson from Iraq and Afghanistan that maybe committing troops is too much, but it seems as though we're sort of leaving the Ukrainian people out to dry. We gave $85 billion to Afghanistan that just ended up falling into the hands of the Taliban. And these Ukrainian people have such spirit and they want to fight. Now, of course, I do think many people in Afghanistan were wanting to fight and wanted a better life. But unfortunately, the Taliban did take over. But the point is, the Ukrainian people are far more equipped to use these weapons and supplies, it seems to me, in a good way. And so why aren't we doing that? I agree with you. It just, it doesn't seem like we're doing enough.
1: So, look, the man who did this invasion uh, has threatened quite uh, explicitly, certainly implicitly, that this could turn into a nuclear war. I want to tell you Julie, obviously this is so much before you were born in fact. I was in high school. So it's a long time ago. The 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 Cuban missile crisis and everybody speaks of it as a, as the world at the brink of nuclear disaster. I got to tell you nobody I knew certainly none of my fellow high school students were scared in the least that there would be a nuclear war with Russia over Cuba. It, the, the the idea that Russia would go to mutual assured destruction, as the term was known, because of Fidel Castro, struck everybody that I knew as absurd. I know the, 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 the top people in Washington speak of it as on the brink, on the brink, and on the brink. I, I didn't believe it for a second then. I don't believe it for a second in retrospect. I do believe it today. I think the man is deranged. I think the man uh, equates Russia with himself, like Hitler equated Germany with himself, and uh, he would go down in this great gutter, Damerung, uh, ending of the Wagner uh, uh, Ring, uh, the Ring as it's called, of operas, and you know with everything burning. So uh, I I I know we can't commit troops. So that's that's. It's, the, it's this terrible realization.
2: Well, let me ask you this, Dennis. One of the things that I'm thinking about is, yes, I do think that Putin is deranged. I do think that he has some very ambitious visions for the future and that he would not be afraid, perhaps, to use nuclear weapons. That being said, as much as we're afraid of Russia going that route, going that route aren't they also afraid of us going that route? In other words, are they not afraid that we're going to retaliate with nuclear weapons? What is different to you about the situation we were in in the time of the Cuban Missile Crisis and now?
1: That's the 64,000 ruble question. And and here is, the, here is my answer. Khrushchev wanted to live. Khrushchev did not think he is Russia. Khrushchev was a communist apparatchik, a communist... Uh, what's the word, operatic in English, uh, guy who just, you know, works in the firm. And uh, he didn't want to die. He didn't, he didn't want to lose his, his special house and, and, and all his riches that he had. He wasn't going to die for, 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 for Cuba. So there, there, that's what I mean. There is no comparison. This guy is, uh, is living alone, essentially, has been for two years, he, he was so scared of COVID, which is always a very bad sign when people are that scared irrationally. He was scared, so scared of COVID, he tested the fecal matter, the feces of anyone who came, any of the generals who came to see him. I mean, this, so uh, this is a different, entirely different quality of human being. Not that Khrushchev was a nice guy, but it, it still it's... there's no comparison between the two that's why that's why this is a scarier proposition he he wants to reconstitute the russian empire uh khrushchev didn't want to reconstitute the russian empire cuba was never part of the russian empire it's a big difference does that make sense
2: well i guess i want to no it does make sense i see what you're saying but what do you think we can do to stop him do you think these economic sanctions are enough or do you see it my way that we should maybe not commit troops but sort of implement these more heavy-handed retaliatory measures
1: well the once you commit anything you, you mentioned the the airspace if if we if an if a not even we if a NATO jet enters the airspace and shoots down a Russian airplane a Russian fighter jet, then it's it's a war. Then that's an official war between NATO and and Russia. So most people do not think it's a good idea because of the nature of, of the man there. By the way, you asked and you asked, and I didn't mention this. You, you asked about you know, do, do these people want to be uh, 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 destroyed? You know, in this mutual assured destruction. Uh, uh, if they attack don't they know we they would be attacked with nuclear weapons who's the they that was what i i meant to say then i didn't there is no they it's he if it was they i wouldn't worry there is no they there right so that's the scary part yes that's why it's not good to have dictators what
2: what would you do if you were if you were president biden what would you do right now
1: I would frack and drill and get the pipeline back that that I knocked out the first day I was in office. The reason. What was that? The
2: first executive order. Yes. Crazy. It was like the top five first executive orders. So here,
1: uh, let me ask you a question. So, you're look, you are uh, I won't say a unicorn, but damn close. So let let me let me ask you. If I asked these questions, had this dialogue with the with the average student uh, at uh, at Harvard, well, what do you think he or she would say?
2: I think if you asked the average Harvard student, "Is Putin's invasion of Ukraine evil?" they would say yes. But frankly, that's pretty obvious. I think a lot of the reason why they say yes, though, is because the American elite in a sense, professors, Mm. CEOs, members of the mainstream media have told us that this is evil. And the question that I ask myself is, if those people didn't condemn this thing, would we condemn this thing with the forcefulness that we're doing now? And it's troubling to me that we have to sort of look left and right and see what our peers think and what the adults think in order to assess if something's evil. So, Dennis, I think that a lot of students here would just echo what they're hearing from the mainstream media or what they're hearing my, from the adults.
1: My dear viewer. And maybe the
2: adults aren't wrong on this specific thing. But that's
1: my dear viewer, my dear listener. Now, you know oh, why I chose Julie for, <laughs> to be a, a podcast, to do a podcast with me. See, I, when, I've been interviewing people for 40 years. So, Pretty much, I, I anticipate the response, which doesn't render the response any less uh, excellent or anything. But you gave me an answer I didn't anticipate. And it goes... that That's, that's what I love about your mind, because it's an original mind. You don't even have to react, because I'm not complimenting you, I'm just describing you. So the... That What you just said is such a big deal, and it coincides with your article in the Wall Street Journal that your fellow students are largely sheep. And that's, you just gave an answer in keeping with your thesis. Well, they were, they were given the green light by the authorities to consider it evil.
2: Yes. Well, most of the time I have found evil only exists if it's on the very short list of ideologically approved no-nos set by the... Well, maybe I shouldn't say the very short list. It's probably actually quite a long, long list, but it's racism, sexism, homophobia, transphobia, Islamophobia. That is the list of of ideological ideologically approved no-nos. And evil exists to the extent to which it's on that list. And what's interesting about that list is that I have found that people are far more focused on hunting down evil attitudes and intentions than evil actions. Yes, people condemning this Ukraine invasion is an exception. They're condemning an evil action. But far more important to the cohort of people that I'm surrounded with is the sort of invisible evil, the intentions and the attitudes that people have. That's what we see with this whole defund the police movement. People support it because it's supposedly fighting evil attitudes and intentions of systemic racism or just the fact that we have a police force is a is something malignant. But then when there's actual actual violent savage murder, when the woman is pushed in front of the train tracks in uh, in Times Square or when the woman in LA is stabbed to death in the furniture store, no one Sticks their neck out to condemn that, even though that is an evil action, because they're so afraid of the implications. The invisible evil is more important to them than the actual evil, and that's the problem.
1: That's right. Well, they of course would say, "Of course, we condemn the stabbing of that the girl. Uh, the what was it, the USC student in, uh, in 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 LA, the one working in the furniture store." But it of course, they would, but. A UCLA student, thank you, Sean. Uh, but of course, it, it has died as an issue. It, it doesn't compare to the the rare episodes, and they are truly rare, of of a black who is killed uh, uh, unfairly. Obviously, a black criminal or a white criminal is killed fairly on occasion by police, but it is so rare uh, to have that, and that is national news should it happen. Also your point about the uh about thinking this is this is new where you you are condemned for your evil thoughts that's that's the whole notion of microaggressions and and the whole notion of y- you're a racist even if you don't know it and then how how can you possibly defend yourself against that right also by the way even better julie you, 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 you hit one of the great themes of my life. I don't care what you think. I don't care what you feel. And I'll give a, a perfect example. I'm a Jew. I don't care if a person likes Jews or dislikes Jews. It is of zero significance to me. I only care how they treat us. I don't care if you have deeply anti-Semitic thoughts. If you don't act on them, keep them. Pickle them. What do I care? The, the, the mind is a, a very messed up place in the human species. Nobody has a pure mind. So th- this is this is what you said is of such surpassing importance. We live in the age of idiocy. How do you think? Did you have a racist thought? Let's say they did. So what?
2: Yes. And, you know, Dennis, to your point they they would condemn someone being murdered, they would condemn the fact that that woman was pushed in front of the subway or that woman was stabbed in the store. But what they're far more, they would more strongly condemn, I think, uh, um, the sort of a racist attitude or um, implication of someone's words. And I think that they would be way quicker to denounce that as a problem than the soaring crime rates. That's
1: what I was trying to point out. You, and you were right. That's exactly right. By the way, in my opinion, that's the whole thing with Trump. Oh, look at what he said. Look at what he said. Look at what he tweeted. Yes. Look at what he thinks. Look at how he acts. No, 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 no. Look only at how he acts. And I don't mean personally. I mean as president. Okay? This quote-unquote racist president created the lowest unemployment rates recorded in black history in the united states isn't that a lot more important to the average black or shouldn't it be or to the average white for that matter than what you think he thinks do i care what he thinks why do you care what he thinks so he the the examples of what you just said are are legion this notion of Let's have purity of thought. Is North Korean? They really do. They they actually tell people in North Korea that uh, the the state knows that Kim Jong Un knows what you're thinking, and a lot of North Koreans believe that.
2: Scary, it is. When Dennis, when do you see this emerging? Was this the case? For your entire life, because it's so prevalent now, this hunting down of I, of the way people are thinking. Was this the same when you were my age?
1: That's a really, really good question. Look, it's much worse today, but it started it started when I was your age, or, or even before it. To be honest, uh, the um, I remember thinking about the, the issue of we were it's it's related it's not identical when when we as kids would be asked by teachers so so how do you feel about this and i and i thought what difference does it make <laughs> i remember as a kid thinking what do you mean how do i feel about it what the hell what's what's the difference my feelings are, are there maybe they're important to me and my mother <laughs> they, they're not important so you know we we we've had this stress on feelings from from pretty early on actually, but certainly uh, even when I was a kid it was it, it was more we assess people's behavior. We we have entered the realm of assessing people's thoughts uh, much more uh, much later uh, in my in my life and of course. And yours, too. That's uh, that's the way it is. Hey, folks, Mike Lindell has a passion to help everyone get the best sleep of your life. Oh, by the way, that is true. I sleep on his pillow every night. He created the Giza Dream Bed Sheets. They look and feel great, which means an even better night's sleep. Mike found the world's best cotton called Giza. Mike's latest incredible deal was the sale of the year. For a limited time, you'll receive 60% off the Giza Dream Sheets, that come with a 60-day money-back guarantee and a 10-year warranty. You'll receive a set for as low as $39.99 for a limited time with any purchase. You'll receive Mike's soft cover book free, and you use the promo code Hartman, H-A-R-T-M-A-N, that's Julie's last name, Hartman. Go to MyPillow.com and click on the radio listener square and use the promo code Hartman. Along with this offer, you'll also get deep discounts on all my pillow products, including the MyPillow mattress topper, MyPillow towel sets, and much more. Call 800-566-6745. Use the promo code Hartman or go to MyPillow.com. Again, the promo, card, H, promo code H-A-R-T-M-A-N. Julie... When we talked about, interestingly, the My Pillow thing, you had mentioned that this is ver- very uh, worthwhile to you because you don't uh, get a full night's sleep all the time. I know I'm prying into your personal life, but I'm curious. That's okay. Uh, why would that be?
2: Well, I think I'm a tortured person. I'm Irish Catholic, and my mom just likes to say that we as Irish Catholics love to ruminate and worry about everything. And I'm certainly one of those people. Um, It's something I'm, I've talked to you a lot about Dennis and I'm trying to work on just trying to compartmentalize many of my worries, but it's just the damn Irish blood in me.
1: That's fascinating. It's, it's probably, I think also that you're a female uh, you know they they did this, and I'm sure you've heard me talk about this. But I, I get such a kick out of it. At some at some college they did a test of men and women. They put uh, men alone in a room for a few hours, no no distraction, literally four walls and a chair. And then they did the same with different women. So they would ask them at the end, "So what'd you think about?" And the men said, uh, "Sports and sex." Nobody was shocked. So I wasn't even interested. I knew what the men would say. I was curious to know what the women would say. And they said, "We review conversations." And that. Oh
2: boy, is that true?
1: Oh my God! It, the insight that brought me into women was profound beyond words. Wow that's what goes on in a woman's head
2: (laughs) oh you have no idea dennis i am going to be replaying every word of this podcast episode tonight as i'm trying to fall asleep i just totally go back and relive it and why do we do that to ourselves the podcast episode is recorded the conversation's over we should just move on but no you can't move on unless you've tortured yourself about it for two hours
1: you know, that is a perfect example because I won't be doing that when I go to bed.
2: <laughs> oh, I know you won't.
1: Uh, I you will, have a great I... ability
2: to, <laughs> to zoom past it. Well, stay sane. I
1: right. And, and I'm male. So I have a, du- I have a double advantage <laughs> my nature and my sex. <laughs> it's
2: true. We as women, we really worry and ruminate and angst. We should take a page out of your guys' book.
1: In that regard, you should. I wonder, but I, I don't know. Is it influenceable? I I, I can can you undo that? I don't know the answer. I know you know my my wonderful wife Sue. You're you're very close to her, and so she has. She's a female like you, so she has the same issue. So she solved it many many years ago. Do you know that? That's how she came to talk radio. It's a very interesting story. She didn't want to think about issues and problems all the time, so she decided with her intellectually vibrant brain to listen to talk radio. That's how she discovered me, in Oklahoma, of all places, where she was living at the time. And she got hooked on on talk radio, and it it had the benefit of intellectual stimulation and diversion from what was bugging her. So... I I don't know, maybe you should go to bed with with talk radio in your ears.
2: (laughs) Well, I have to tell you, the the biggest thing that has helped my sleep and has hurt my sleep is doing this job. It has hurt my sleep in the sense of I know that everything I'm saying is recorded and it's on the internet forever. And there are people on the internet who probably call me a bigot and fat and ugly and God knows what, so that sometimes keeps me up at night. But actually, I think it's done more to help my sleep because, and, and this is something that we've talked about a lot, Dennis, I was more miserable when I was silent about my beliefs than Whoa. I am when I'm out and open about wow. them. And, and I would have nights when I would lie there and I would go, this stuff is ridiculous. I need, you know, no one is standing up to this crap. And I would just lie awake at night and go, I see the world a bit differently than a lot of the people I'm surrounded with. And I feel very isolated because I constantly have to suppress it. And now that I've just been out in the open, for better or for worse, my beliefs are out on the internet. And that's been oddly liberating.
1: I use, and helped me sleep better. I use you as an example in many, many of my speeches when I address the issue, either because someone asked me about it or I just address it about what a conservative could do or even just a non-leftist? Do, do you keep quiet or do you step out and you know, get shot at? And I use you as the example because of what you said to me on my show. You went through two weeks of hell after coming on my show and then you said you went to heaven. And I asked you wh- why and the two things that stayed with me are that you met so many kindred spirits as a result of coming out of the closet, which to my mind is everything in life, having kindred spirits in your life, and you added, and I sleep better at night. Totally apropos of our conversation now. I i know for me, I cannot hide who I am. It, it, the, the thought of self-suppressing uh, is is like torture to me. So...
2: Well, you, I would just so much rather be alone than
1: an, in a group authentic. but not
2: being who I am.
1: That's it. That's it. You, I, you would, by the way. I know you would, which is why we're doing a podcast. That's, a good, that, that's perfectly phrased. Did you know this? Have you learned this about yourself? I, I mean, how much could you have known about yourself at such a young age? But nevertheless, you know, awareness begins somewhat in high school. Did you know this about yourself?
2: Did I know what? That you, that you rather be I...
1: alone and authentic than with the group and not yourself.
2: Oh, completely. I've known it from, from the time I was little. I've never been a group person. I've never really had a group, per se, of friends. I've just sort of had individual friends that are sort of in their own spheres. And, you know, it's funny because I wasn't exactly, I wasn't, I didn't realize that I was a conservative until I found your books and your clips but I do remember in high school that a lot of the things that I was seeing didn't quite make sense to me for example microaggressions I was I just wasn't politically engaged at the time but I remember thinking to myself this just this way of thinking doesn't quite make sense or just there were just so many kind of themes that came up and I remember thinking I don't see the world in the same way that the people around me do and so to answer your question yes that's always sort of been with okay. me and frankly it's, it's, it's isolating sometimes I wish I were a group person sometimes I wish I did see the world in the same way that other people do yeah. but I don't and I have to okay. deal with that
1: so this is a subject for another time and a good one to end with because this is really I, I I'm, I'm sort of not embarrassed, but um, I'm amazed to say that it's become clearer to me in the last couple of years than ever before. And, and what I'm about to say is no great revelation because are, I have no doubt people know this is much younger than me. But I, I now realize it more than ever in my life. People are born with natures and it's very, very hard to change them. That's both good and bad, but it just is. I mean, your answer to my question makes it, makes it clear. You have this nature. If you didn't want to be part of a clique in high school, you realize how rare that is for anybody in high school, especially a girl. So that, that is, that is who you are.
2: Well, it's who you are, Dennis, and I, I think know. It, no, we it is really get each other,
1: that, that is. And,
2: and that you made a point on your show, I remember I was in the studio over my winter break in January, and I think it was your ultimate issues hour, and you gave this fabulous talk on how people who do good are outliers, mm-hmm. and that stuck with me, because I really do want to be, I know I'm an outlier. In, and I don't even mean that in like I know I'm an outlier I'm so great i I know that i'm sort of i don't fit into groups very well. I know that about myself, but I really do want to be an outlier that does good, so it was encouraging to me to hear, okay, I may be an outlier, but outliers have a good place in history, so hopefully I can be that
1: uh, when you i have to say when you cite something I said and Took it into your heart. It, you have no idea how much that means to me, because I I have, a, I have tremendous uh, faith in you, and it means a lot to me that 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 stuff that I say has meant a lot to you. It's a, this is a very special thing that uh, that we have, and I hope that uh, those of you listening or watching. Can uh, can appreciate and enjoy us, as as in fact uh, we enjoy each other. So this is our uh, our first podcast, Dennis and Julie, Dennis Prager, Julie Hartman. We would one of the things I think that I'd like to make uh, perhaps a part of our uh, weekly podcast, Julie, is to answer questions. I know that's a very appealing part of, of my fireside chat. So what do you think of that?
2: I would love it. I encourage people to email me on my website, julie-hartman.com. Dennis, we're going to have to make a website of our own or That's an email right. address of our own. But in the meantime, please send it to me and we will absolutely read them. I, I think that would be wonderful.
1: julie-hartman.com. Is that what you That's said? Right, right. yes.
2: julie promo com. I love hey, that hey I'm so hey, let me I'm going to let me ask you one more it.
1: question: How often are your parents going to listen or watch these podcasts?
2: <laughs> I don't know. I I, I think <laughs> will I'll it be on a twenty
1: four seven loop in your parents' house?
2: <laughs> <laughs> That's, they're very very supportive of me. I'm very lucky. Yeah. I think they
1: will. <laughs> I know they're wonderful people. All right, everybody. See you next week. Thanks, Julie.
2: Thank you. See you all. You got time, you're on the man, babe. And everybody wants the same. Everybody wants the same thing.